Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, 25, 35 through 40. Hear the words of Christ. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Our text this morning is Jesus' last words of discourse, his final words of wisdom to all who seek to follow him. This passage takes place right before Jesus is betrayed and put to death, but we have to understand that Jesus knows that his time is almost up. So this is his final attempt to get all of his followers on the right page. All of this follows six long parables to demonstrate how we are to live our life as faithful people. Jesus often used stories and parables um, to educate uh, people about how we are to live our lives. But in this particular passage, Jesus makes a definitive statement that we have a moral obligation to care for those in need. It's not something that we get extra credit for. It's our responsibility here on this earth. As we conclude our sermon series on neighbors, we look at how we are called to serve God by helping others. But in the same token, this is a sermon on love. Look at it this way. Love was and is the core of Christ. All that he was, all that he is, and all that he did was out of pure love. And love is the very essence of God. So when we extend a helping hand to those in need, we are showing them the love of God. Unfortunately, as hard as it may be to hear this, that's not really how Christianity has been perceived by many people in our world today. So last semester, I was sitting in Spanish class, you know, just a young college student trying to get those dreaded um, so, um, general ed requirements out of the way. But I was sitting there in class and waiting on one of my friends from the religion school. Um, we always sat together and had conversations before the professor um, got to class. Um, and she kind of walked in, and she looked kind of puzzled and frustrated all in the same time. So I asked her, you know, what, what's wrong? So she explained to me her journey from her dorm to class. Well, while she was walking to class, one of the maintenance workers on a golf cart at our campus had offered her a ride, and she graciously took the, took the offer. Um, but now on the golf cart, the two begin to engage into some conversation, and he began to ask her the basic questions like, where are you from? Um, what year are you in? What are you studying? What are, you, what are your plans in life? And so she tells him, you know, I'm from such and such. I'm a junior. Uh, I'm a religion major. 
uh, and I plan to be ordained in the Methodist Church. She told me that after she spoke those words, the golf cart ride was kind of silent until they made it to the class. The, the next time that the man spoke was, he said to her, yeah, well, I'm sorry, but I don't believe in God. Caught off guard by this man feeling the need to apologize, she, rep she replied by saying, well, it's okay. I'm a Christian, and I'm supposed to love everyone, regardless of who they are and what they believe. Shocked, this man responded, really? Because you're the first Christian I've encountered that felt that way. As we talked about this conversation, I could tell that she still felt uneasy, and she said these words to me. You know, as a Christian, I'm supposed to be seen as the most loving, and least judgmental person to talk to. And it's sad to realize that that's not the case. As I sat in class, deeply convicted and troubled, I thought how truly unsettling it was that the Christian faith is so misrepresented in the world today. But I also thought, you know, in that same token, we will be the generation to change that. Now, we all know that I'm a proud millennial. I talk about it all the time. It's true. Um, and even though we have a bad rep sometimes, I still kind of have to brag on my people. So say what you want about my generation. But truth is, we are the most caring, compassionate, loving, and justice-oriented beings God has created, despite the few bad apples, of course. Um, but to understand a millennial, you'll have to understand that we are a generation overwhelmingly dedicated to social justice. When Jesus says, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, religious millennials in particular, take that serious. Where there is injustice, we want to respond. In person, online, through volunteer work, we are religiously committed to giving all of our beings to see a world marked by justice and equality for all. While millennials are passionate about creating a better, more inclusive world, studies have shown that this generation has little hope in traditional institutions to affect change. A large number of young people have little trust in the government and even little trust in the church to do what's right for those in need. Instead, they believe they can only count on themselves to create the change that they want to see. I think that's where this whole idea of spiritual, not religious, comes into play. I know many people that say that they believe in God and believe in Christ, but see the church so far removed from the fundamental beliefs that it contradicts Christ's teachings to love and serve all people. Now, I'm not saying you have to agree with any of that information, nor am I saying that millennials have it all figured out, because, duh, we don't. But when it comes to selflessness and helping others, I truly think that there is a lesson that can be learned. Helping others is about selflessness. And Jesus spoke time and time again about selflessness and putting the, uh, the needs of the others before our own. He even demonstrates this by washing the feet of his disciples. For Jesus, washing the feet of the disciples was a display 
of servitude, servanthood. Walking in sandals on the filthy roads in Israel in the first century, it was crucial that feet be washed before every communal meal, especially since people reclined at the low levels and feet were very evident. And Jesus, when he rose from the table and began to wash the feet of his disciples, he was doing the work of the lowliest servant. The disciples must have been sunned by this act of selflessness, that Christ, their Lord, their master, should wash the feet of his disciples when it was their proper work to do the washing of his feet. But as Jesus revealed, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for all people. This selflessness expressed by Christ stems from love and adoration for all of God's creation, and we are called to do the same. Now, I understand this is hard for us. We all have our own problems. We all have our own burdens. But that's where we trust in God to carry us through difficult times and difficult situations, that we may use our experience to help others in need. Furthermore, you'll just never know the impact that you might have on someone else's life. Take Mama Mac's story, for example. In the video that I'm about to show, she has dedicated her life to helping and educating children from adverse backgrounds. Let's take a look at this video. One woman, many kind deeds. And tonight's Heroes Among Us, CBS 6's Greg McQuaid, introduces us to a woman who has dedicated her life to helping children. Many of them had fallen through the cracks, but as Greg shows us, the beloved woman known as Mama Mac was there to catch them. I'm referred to as Big Sister, Mama, Grandmama. A loving figure. That was Cooley. That was yeah. Mr. Cooley. A role Dr. Janice Mack has perfected. Find Deborah on the page for me. Deborah. Focusing on boys and girls in need. I'm a humanitarian, and I work on the behalf of people, and children in particular. For 34 years, Mack was a fixture at the Children's Home of Virginia Baptists in Petersburg. The hand that is too close, tight, to give does not receive. The home was the last hope for boys and girls facing enormous odds, from poverty and being orphaned to abandonment and abuse. You can't blame them for the predicament that they're in. Mama Mac knew only one thing. These children needed her help. Well, you start building from the moment you get them. The North Carolina natives started volunteering at the home in the 1970s, eventually rising to become a well-respected executive director. Former colleagues... She has always dealt with them as if they were her very own children. Say the job was Dr. Max calling. I don't think that you can put a, a quantity or limit on the amount of love that's there. During her extensive tenure at CHVB, Max shepherded hundreds of children. The lesson was always the same, self-respect. I came to their home at the age of two. Jasmine Tucker says Dr. Mack provided a sense of normalcy in family when none existed. She kept encouraging us to be better, be more, do more. Tucker shudders at the thought without the 85-year-old in her life. She just opened up a lot of doors for children who had less. Now 25, Jasmine says she will carry a part of Mama Mac wherever she goes. 
She gave us hope. She gave us opportunities. Oh, Lord, have mercy. No matter if it's her own great-grandchildren or boys and girls from the home. You. That's me. Who else you see? As long as she's surrounded by children, she's rich beyond measure. It's rewarding, most rewarding, most inspiring to know that you had an opportunity to help mold a person's life. Mama Mack retired from the home in 2005, but she never really left. Dr. Mack is still in touch with many of the children she helped along the way, just like Jasmine Tucker. Jasmine went on to study at John Tyler Community College and became a surgical technician and landed a job in an operating room at an area hospital in November. She credits Mama Mack with her personal and professional success. I'm Greg McQuaid, CBS Mama Mack understood the importance of helping those who needed it. And through her life of service and through her selflessness, many individuals have been touched by God and their lives have been changed. Many of those children went on to do great things and are blessings to many of the people that they encounter. Each of us have an opportunity to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, take care of the sick, visit the prisoner, welcome the stranger, and each of us have the opportunities to love our neighbors, as Christ said. This is the work that we are called to. Will you join in the work of Christ by caring for the least of these? This is the word of God for the people of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.